This episode of Says Who is brought to you by you through your support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash says who, where every Sunday of quarantine for our $5 and up supporters, you get a quarantine special edition that goes up and it's me and Maureen talking about life under quarantine every week. There's really two says who's every week now, one here on Wednesdays and one in your ears on Sundays because we are stuck at home. Patreon.com slash says who. Hey, listen, do you not know what time it is? Fine. Get a book. Books are good. And um, if you want, look, I first of all, you should be getting all your books from independent bookstores like Book Moon or any one of your local independent bookstores. Having said that, I, I'm just going to say this. So I keep talking to you about my book, Truly Devious, right? Yeah. Well, if you have Kindle Unlimited, it is going to be up on Kindle Unlimited like any minute now. It's, Dang. It's, 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 it's on the way. So I say this because if you have it and you have a chance to read something for free, you know, I'll be like, look, Read it for free. You know, you can totally read it for free. If because they're doing a thing because they're pumping some more books out onto Kindle Unlimited because a lot of people are at home reading. So I was asked and I was like, let's, I will absolutely, you can do that. So if you have that and you want to check it out, it's going to be, I, I don't know what day it's going to be up. It could be, it could be right now or it could be like a week from now, but it's coming because I've, I've seen the paperwork. So I know what's happening. Books. Get them from independent bookstores, but if you already pay for this one thing, you can read it for free. And hey, hey, you need to cover your face when you you're do. at the store, when you're out, where you're all over. Just, just cover your face, people. And you can do it with Says Who at merch, that is M-E-R-C-H dot Says Who Podcast dot com, where you can buy your very own These Aren't Bright Guys and Things Got Out of Hand face covering. Merch.saysupodcast.com. Also, t shirts and mugs and fanny packs. And you want it, you got it. Merch.saysupodcast.com. Hello, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order, please? Yeah, I'm going to need a. Hold on, let's take my mask off. I'm going to need a um, diet, oh, no. diet Coke burger. Uh, Filet of fish. These um, are all. You uh, we sell all these things. Actually, I take two filet of fish. Okay. Three cheeseburgers. Yeah. Diet Coke. Okay. What size? Uh, large. Okay. I'd like those uh, filet of fish uh, without the buns. Just the square. With whatever crap comes on it. Yep. It's just okay. Let's go to one fish square with cheese. And some fries. Okay. Can I do all the, can I, uh, yep. Okay. Ketchup. Do a, extra, extra, extra ketchup. Just ketchup sure. everything. Just I'll lots and lots. Okay. Yep. You, you've been coming here for a long time, and you've never actually ordered off the menu. Is everything mm-hmm. okay? I'm going to need one more thing. Oh, oh no. I said fries, right? Yeah, and ketchup. ketchup. You said okay. both those things. I'm going to need someone to serve it. 
That's out of my jurisdiction. I am. I'm. I can't leave the drive-through. Well, you so can give you me the food, right? Can, I can. If you drive through, I will hand you the food. Or if you would like, I can place it in a contactless manner. Mm-hmm. What if you oh, came to the White House? That's and you handed it over there. I don't think that that's a place that I want to go because right. I've been looking at the news and it yeah. seems like you have a v- outbreak there. No, 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 no. Who told you that? Who told you that? We don't have an outbreak. We don't have an outbreak. There's no outbreak. I've, it seems like it, there no. have been some people that are quarantining no. now no. and I just don't, I would rather stay here. We definitely do not have an outbreak. I, I think that's the first thing I want to kind of convey. Okay. Are, do some people have a cough? Yeah, yeah, some people have a cough. Are we all uh, staring at each other with paranoid looks like uh, people in a movie where mur- people are getting murdered one by one and you're trying to figure out who the murderer is? The murderer could be any number of people, one, ten. No one knows. All of them but you. No one knows. We definitely aren't aren't feeling like that, but we do have an opening for someone with experience in customer service vis-a-vis handing over Diet Cokes on demand. And I thought of you. I don't think that's a job that I am going to do. Disappointed? I mean, I understand. But just under seems the very authority risky. of the uh, War Powers Act, I can, in fact, um, commandeer this McDonald's. Oh, no. So, um, going to come pull on up and you can just uh, hop in the trunk and I'll take you over. Oh, no. Just get in the trunk, kid. Says who the podcast that isn't a podcast? I'm having a granola bar. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> that was Maureen Johnson, and I am Dan Sinker. Yep. You're you're just snacking. I'm having just a granola bar. Snack time with Maureen and Dan. You I see, just ate a I just ate a fun size Snickers before we is, recorded. Wow, sounds tasty. It really was. Our last, uh, our last grocery order. I put candy in it. It was oh. a good decision. Uh, do you hear the dog? No. That's right. I don't. You don't hear the dog. You know why? Is this a sad story? No, it's a happy story. She's downstairs oh. playing with her best friend. How does that work? We have set it up so we ride down on the elevator. I put her on the 15-foot leash. They know she's coming. They open the door. They unclip her from the leash. She runs into the apartment. When it's time to pick her up, they put her on a long leash, and she runs out, and I unclip her. Then I'm going to take her home. Yep. You have a contactless dog delivery. Well, we just take her to the the fifth floor. That's amazing. That's innovation. 
we've all been quarantining. None of us are going anywhere. And finally, we're like, you know, we really need to, like, we're, we're trying to work. And she is, the only bad habit she's developed all of this is that when she wakes up and wants to play, she nips to kind of go, hey, I'm awake now. Please, please play with me. She just needs to get more energy out than we, you know, we're trying so hard, but she just has so much energy to burn. Yeah. So she goes down and she wrestles with her best friend, Bonnie for four hours straight and then she comes up and she has a big drink of water and she eats her supper and then she passes out happily snoring away. She loves it. <sighs> She's so happy. Man, you've got to be able to get stuff done. We get four hour breaks. That's so amazing. Today, Tuesday's down, not only is it uh, Sensu recording day, but on the little chart I've put on the fridge, it's also the day I run around and quickly bleach the floors of the bathrooms and the kitchen. Oh, bleach day. It's floor day. Uh, and then I shove everything back in. So we have a very kind of set routine of work stuff, but I also very, very quickly got out the power drill and put up a set of shelves that had fallen down the other day. <laughs> so yeah, fell down in the middle of the night, scared the shit out of us. So I, I pulled out the drill and I, I put that shit back up because of the two of us, I'm the I'm the handy one. I do the yeah. There you go. You're drilling. Oscar doesn't know shit about drills. I, however, own two. I went to theater yeah. school down. They make you drill. Yeah. It's the part of the theater school. Drilling. It's true. You have to build sets. What is that clanking? What is That's that? That's my granola bar. How big is this granola? I've been eating this granola bar for like 20 minutes. It's tiny. I take very tiny bites, though. Uh, it's it's uh, one of those made goods. It's about it's about four inches long, if that. Maybe three. It's tiny. But but Dan, Dan, what's been going on? Nothing? Nothing? Staying in? What about you? <laughs> Still inside, Dan. Yep. I'm... I have, I think almost completely assimilated to this way of life. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I am, it, it is weird to think about a life that isn't this now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, I've had that realization several times. <laughs> and I think, I have realized that because Oscar is working from home, I like having him around. That's nice. I like that a lot. And I'd like that to stay. Like I the rest of it, but I'd like that part to stay. I do like it. I mean, I think that it was uh Twitter just today announced that their employees unless they have a reason to be in the office like they are tending servers and things that they are just going to keep work from home as the norm now. And I think that will begin to happen with more and more industries that can support it, at least. I mean, I would like our table back. We don't have a yeah. table. Yeah, but... you might need a, a change in location if it was long term. You might need a little bit more space. Meh. 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 But Dan, <laughs> are all workplaces going well? Well, Maureen, it just so happens. That's a good that lead in, right? One good. workplace. Mm, tell me. 
not doing so well right now. The White House, Maureen, has come down with a case of the old coronavirus. In fact, more than one. Last Thursday, it was announced that the valet for the president, specifically the valet on the other end of his Diet Coke button, which he can be pushed and then be brought a Diet Coke, tested positive for COVID-19 after, quote, exhibiting symptoms at the White House. The very next day, Katie Miller, Vice President Pence's press secretary and new bride to racist Stephen Miller, tested positive and multiple people were taken off a plane en route to Iowa with the vice president due to her being positive. The -hmm. vice president did not get off. He continued the trip to Iowa, and now the governor of Iowa is in quarantine because she was exposed to the vice president of the United States. It's like a game of werewolf at the White House now, Maureen. Who's infected and who's a villager? I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about this, and... I will admit that this is the reason I grab my phone now the minute I wake up is I really want to see if there have been any updates on this one. Yeah, because, I've been looking all day. There haven't been. You know, this thing, the whole point of this thing is that it's so catchy. It's so yeah. catchy. It's the catchiest thing, which is why we're all in quarantine. And if the yeah. goddamn went to the White House and and, the, and these, some of these people skate, I would be so mad. Yeah. So South Korea, speaking of places that have done this far better than us, South Korea has done a remarkable job of keeping COVID uh, relatively under control and uh, has actually gotten to the point where they are reopening parts of society again. And they opened uh, bars and restaurants in Seoul and Four days after doing so, they shut them down again because there's a cluster of cases that have popped up. And because they also do really good contact tracing there, they have discovered that one guy went to three different bars in one night in Seoul and at least 40 new cases are linked directly back to him and those three bars. Now, imagine, Maureen, if instead of it being a bunch of bars in South Korea, it is the small, weird, cramped offices of the West Wing. Yeah, I guess that's one of the things is that the White House is apparently not very glamorous on the inside, just kind of a cramped, weird building. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it, right? Like. You can picture the White House in your head. They did. Mm-hmm. They there's not like an office tower sitting next to it that they added in 1965, right? They just like sub subdivide and subdivide and subdivide to fit all the various people into it that they need to fit into it. It's not every person I've ever talked to that has worked at the White House, either in a press capacity or another capacity. They're like, yeah, it's real weird and gross in there. Seems that I bet it smells like weird old coffee pods and 
microwaved lunches all the time. I kind of imagine that the White House smells like an antique store. Mm. Yeah, mm. kind of like musty, moldy, old wood and stuff kind of smell. I would guess that that, like, coupled with a gym locker is, and, is exactly and some... what I imagine the office complex in there smells Printer like. toner in there. Yeah, definitely. Kind of hot printer smell. Hot, yeah. pr- hot printer smell. I, um, Maureen, I love the smell of a hot printer. I, I love it a lot. I know. I we all know. We all know. I really do. Kevin Hassert, who's a top economic advisor to the president, was on the CBS Sunday news show and said that, quote, it is scary to go to work. Now, this guy was in the news prior to this outbreak because he was responsible for creating what the White House was referring to their model of the uh, of the infection that uh, Kevin Hassert had created, where they that the model predicted that we would be done with coronavirus in mid-May. And they had just created this. And a few different people that work with data were like, this is, they called it a cubic, a cubic model, which is not a thing. Um, and uh, a few different people were like, there's a, there's a preset in Excel called cubic. What if I take some of this data and run it through? And then they discovered that all that he had done was run a preset in Microsoft Excel to create a bell curve. And then they were basing things on it. So Kevin Hassert, who early last week was confident that this whole thing was going to pass in just mere days, is now afraid to go to work at the White House. Dan, I just caught myself staring. Like, I just started just staring deeply into the wall like I could burn a hole through it. These are people that want everyone to go back to work. Dan, by this time next week, how many uh, how many cases do you think are coming out of the White House? I think the real question is by this point time next week, will we know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Stephen Miller's wife tested positive, and I have been able to locate no report on whether or not he is quarantining. It's also not a one-time thing. It's not like if this happens, then this is it. This is just a one-time chance for it to blow through White House. No, the whole point of the pandemic is that it just keeps rolling if you don't do anything. So, you know, it just keeps rolling through. (laughs) Well, Trump basically, when the valet was... um, was tested positive. He was basically like, see, this is the problem with tests because you test someone one day and they're negative and then, I don't know, something happens and then they're positive. And it's Jesus like, Christ. you don't understand how this works, do you? No, he doesn't know how anything works. They are implementing policies at the White House right now that I am legitimately shocked were not already in place. People close to the president were only being tested weekly. 
Now, there's a larger conversation to be had about the fact that we are testing almost nobody in this country, even though testing has stepped up and everything like that and all of that. But one would expect that the White House, the center of power in the United States, and at least up until recently, one of the most important places in the world, that they would be testing quite vigorously and regularly, and they were only testing weekly. They are now upping that to people close to the president or the vice president are being tested daily. They are only now putting a policy of masks in place, though it is only for outside in the grounds of the White House. There is no official policy for inside. And obviously the president and the vice president don't wear masks, even though there's a policy like it. It does feel to me like the White House is now a little microcosm of everything that went wrong in that they are like implementing policies way past the point. Like clearly there's community transmission happening within those walls. I'm I'm not being funny, Dan. But do these genuinely seem like people who like can't. I don't know, read like if it would get confused <laughs> by the instructions on the bottle of on a bottle of shampoo. I mean, this is it's like they don't understand the the most basic I, I'm running out of words, Dan. Like for example, wearing a mask outside as opposed to inside, like that, that it's like the opposite of everything. And I don't understand, Dan. I don't understand. Dan, Dan, I, I don't understand. Maureen, you are the one that has said it more than anyone. These aren't bright guys. Right. And things got out of hand. I know, and I know that. I know I know that. But I think I thought that even the dumbest guys had a sense of self-preservation and at some some sort of motor neuron level who just could sort of at some really simple level could manage not to slam their own dick in a door. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that there is an open question as to whether Donald Trump truly believes that he will never die. So there's that. I think he's scared shitless. I think he's shitting bricks. Oh, he's, he's definitely shitting. shitting bricks. Yeah. This is a this is a known germaphobe. Interesting Donald Trump trivia that I did not know, Maureen Johnson, is that his grandfather died in the Spanish flu outbreak of 1918. Mm. And that the insurance settlement that his grandmother received is what started them buying real estate. Well, Dan, I'm going to I'm going to use that to tie into another fact about something that's happening right now because um coming from my world, the YA world, Midnight Sun, which is the Twilight saga as told from Edward's point of view. Twilight was told from the point of view of Bella. Okay. Midnight Sun is the same events told from the point of view of Edward. Okay. Now she wrote this a long time ago and was going to put it out and then somebody got it and leaked it. So she pulled the whole project. 
But she, Stephanie Meyer has decided to put it out. and She's going to put it out in August. Now, you think this isn't relevant, right? But here's the thing. Edward died in the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918. All comes back. It all comes back. It all comes well, back. Well. Yeah. Is Edward a vampire or yes. a werewolf? I don't know. He's I've a, never read those vampire. books. He's a vampire. What if he was actually Donald Trump's grandfather? No, I'm pretty sure Edward's not a, I mean, who knows? I assume that Donald Trump's grandfather is some sort of proto-Nazi. Well, tomato, tomato, it's a vampire. I think I'm rather with the vampire. I'm always, I'm going to side with anybody over Nazis. You know? Damn. They've an unceasing hunger for human blood. Not Edward. He's all right. Edward's okay. fine. That's the whole point is that he's, he controls it. They're vegetarian vampires. <sighs> Maureen Johnson. Dan, can we have a special episode where I just watch the Twilight movies with you and talk? Yes. With you? Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Maybe Twilight watch along with Maureen and Dan. I think not even the first three. Wait, there are Just, more than three. There are five. Wow. There are five. Movies? Yeah. There are five Twilight movies. Yes, because there are four Twilight books, but they made the last one into two movies. And I Man, don't know. That was a real moment in time, wasn't it? There was just yeah. a moment in time where every final movie in a multi-movie series was split was two. into two. Yeah. I think I don't think I'm going to be insulting anybody if I say that Breaking Dawn parts one and two. No shade on anybody, what they love, whatever. But those movies. That's some of the craziest shit you're ever going to see. <laughs> like <laughs> you'd have no idea, Dan. You don't know. I promise you that I don't. Oh, I know Dan. that we have established before through our now long running game of friends or dark friends that there are vast swaths of popular culture that have passed me by. Mm. And the Twilight series yeah. is a hundred percent one of them. <sighs> Dan, there's so much material here for us to mine. Uh, yeah, Breaking Dawn is, um, it's a hell of a read. It is a hell of a read. <laughs> but the movies are just. Dan, have you ever seen a grown man fall in love with a baby? <laughs> Wait, like romantic love and not just sort of the love of a parent? No, no, like, like you want to date that baby. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? And that, Dan, is just one of many thousands of points of light. We have so much ground to cover. And I'm in but maureen johnson word of 
coronavirus in the White House potentially spread by Donald Trump's Diet Coke valet means that we need to put up the Helen Rosner symbol and get her over here so we can talk Trump and food and quarantine. So, Maureen, when it was announced that the president's Diet Coke valet had tested positive... You, you you DM'd me almost immediately yeah. in all caps saying, let's get Helen. Mm-hmm. And I was in the process of writing a DM to you that said we should get Helen. Yeah. It's been too and long. so today we have gotten Helen, Helen Rosner, food writer, Instagram recipe influencer, friend of the show who has been with us since good lord what the very first thanksgiving yeah of this of low those many years ago three and a half year project yeah she has joined us many a time to talk about trump's dietary needs Mm. and what they tell us about donald trump and that need could not possibly be more relevant than right now when Diet Coke may in fact be his undoing. Helen, hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you? How hello, are you Dan. quarantining? Hi, Maureen. I'm I'm great. I have um I have no children and um already mostly worked from home and like my apartment and like my spouse. And so I have no no grounds to complain about anything. And you have I'm, a dog. I'm doing though. okay. And I have a dog and 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 she's lovely and I'm great. I'm I I feel terrible saying that I'm great, but like I you know, I'm I'm not like happy that the world is falling apart, but I am currently suffering way less than a lot of people and I am owning that fact. I think it's okay to say you know that we're ha- like if if you're if you're okay, I don't think that that should be a bad thing. You know, you know, it's it's funny. Um, in in a very sort of presidential manner, I I have been rolling calls today, and I'm I I'm talking to you like mere minutes after getting off of a Facetime with my therapist, hmm. and um, and that was one of the things we were talking about was like, is it okay to not be collapsing in misery and anxiety every single second of the day and like the answer is of course it's okay like you know if I experience happiness for a few minutes it doesn't like make the coronavirus win you know it's weird it's weird stuff yeah that's a good thing and obviously we're going to talk about cooking yeah oh my god right cooking I'm cooking so much and I'm like and it's Sometimes it's horrible and I hate it because I'm cooking so much. And then sometimes it's beautiful and I love it. And I have so, oh my God, I have so many thoughts. It's going to be awesome. This is going to be such a delightful narcissistic segment. I can't wait. Well, before we get to cooking, we let's discuss the news of the moment, (laughs) which is that (laughs) Donald Trump's Diet Coke valet he has a button on the Resolute desk that he can hit, and then a guy comes with a Diet Coke for him. That guy 
He's actually one of three guys, apparently. But one of those three has not only tested positive for COVID, but was tested because he was exhibiting symptoms at the White House. In the Oval Office, right? Was that the, was that the news? He was in the Oval Office? I believe and, like, so. He was on Diet Coke duty. So I've been thinking about this, and I, um, I suspect... Dan, that you and Maureen have have read more about this than I have, the specifics of, of the Diet Coke Valley. Um, the question that I have is how does the Diet Coke reach him? Like, is it in a glass? Is it in a can? Has the can already been opened? Like, how much of the actual liquid is exposed to the valet's mucous membranes? Mm. That's a very My good question. My gut, I do not have an answer, but I have thought through this as well. And I would guess that it is a airplane style delivery. That so is like a cup, exactly. a glass with ice. Like a glass with ice yes. and an opened can. And the can would absolutely be left. But the can was opened. The, that's yes, the, that's and the and I would think the Diet Coke would be poured by the valet. Okay, so like, because this that's is the thing I was thinking about, and and you know, and my mind was wandering in the last few minutes of therapy as I was like gaming up for talking to you guys. I was thinking about like, does he open his own cans? Because what we know about his his sort of pathological germophobia would to me speak to him only wanting to open his own cans. But at the same time, his desire to be waited upon would speak to him wanting someone else to open the can for him. I would guess that there's no can, like that it comes in a glass with ice because it looks And no classy. can is present at all. Huh. Right. I mean, I now that I think about it, I don't think that I have ever, I cannot place a picture of him in my mind where there is a can of Diet Coke in mm. his visible presence. Huh. I feel no like I have what. a mental image of this, but maybe I don't. I think it's glasses. I think it comes in glasses. Because it's classy. I was, I, you know, I, the other person that comes to mind, of course, is Karl Lagerfeld, the late fashion designer, who also had a famous, um, I guess his, his habit was, was Coke Zero. But um, he also had a, a Diet Coke valet who would sort of stand discreetly behind and to the left of him and like at the snap of a finger, because, of course, he had no resolute desk with a button on it. Um, Lagerfeld would be presented with the Diet Coke. And I, I think if I'm remembering correctly, it was it was always in an open can with a straw in it or maybe it was an, a glass bottle with a straw in it. But a straw was involved. Mm. And. I don't know. I have seen pictures of, of of Trump drinking out of a straw, but but all, anyway, all of this is is by way of speculating. Like, if if the Diet Coke valet is responsible for opening the can of Coke, and the Diet Coke valet has COVID, then they're it. I Hold on, I am looking at a photo where Donald Trump is sitting. Kellyanne Conway is on his right. Some white dude is on his left and in front of him is a can of Diet Coke mm. and a tall glass about half filled with ice. Mm. The Diet Coke, mm. I can I can see the pop top has been popped. Mm. But, the, but who did it? And the and the 
there does not this appears to be an a as yet poured there isn't sort of a brown slurry at the bottom of this cup so and no straw fascinating all of this is to say though that the diet coke valet is really doing a lot more damage just by breathing yeah it's kind of i mean like re- you know yeah. what are the surfaces nearby? involved here right like the can is metal the glass is glass those are the surfaces that are the most likely to be like a happy home for the virus yep doorknobs the glass yeah. the there would be condensation so it would be wet cooled which is good for this virus a cool surface is better than a particularly hot one i mean it's a it's a it's a it, we it's a beautiful environment if you are the virus you're just like yes i love mm-hmm. it here i would like to relax and replicate now this man brings him diet coats but he probably does other stuff uh, it's presumably he it's Diet Cokes and food is his uh, is his deal. He's going in and out. He's breathing. He's leaning close to him. Uh, he's you know yeah. definitely touching all the doorknobs and surfaces that he's going to be touching. I mean, it's a shitstorm, right? Like it's it's this is yeah. I mean, it's amazing that God, they're all just such idiots. <laughs> they are. Like because you like, know I, that you know, his Diet Coke valet was not coming in masked. No, and you know oh, no. it's so ridiculous. Like, you know, all all these restaurants that are that are sort of pivoting to takeout and delivery over the last few weeks or months now, you know, so many of them are making such an incredible effort to be as safe and compliant with safety regulations as possible. They're talking about how, you know, there there are restaurants that are taking the temperature of every single staffer when they come in and every four hours during their shift, and like. That's just a place that's like, you know, making like pulled pork sandwiches for the people of whatever town. And the the goddamn White House doesn't even have people wearing masks. It's absolute bananas that that there is just like better security at your average restaurant than there is at the ostensible seat of power of the United States of America. Can I ask a question? Because last night Oscar and I had this. We ended up having this conversation for a surprisingly long time, and then. I don't want to do uh, just a quick, we were just trying to imagine when New York restaurants would actually be able to open again for people to go in and eat. I, 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 I think that anybody who says that they have an answer for this is lying. You know, the, the thing, if you watch the way that restaurant reopenings have been happening in countries that have handled this outbreak efficiently and thoughtfully and with an incredible amount of control. Like if you look at South Korea, um, the sort of gradual reopening of various cities in China, restaurants are opening to partial capacity. I have a friend who lives in Hong Kong and his Instagram has been nonstop recording of the partitions that are being put up in various restaurants. So like the counter seating at a noodle bar has like plexiglass partitions that are now put up between each seat. Um, and there are partitions around booths. Basically, everything is kind of creating little bubbles for people while they're eating. So you either have to create physical space, so remove half the tables in your restaurant, or you have to create barriers to sort of, you know, be like windbreaks to, to stop the flow of transmission. And servers are wearing masks and cooks 
are wearing masks and hairnets and like sort of the whole sanitation thing. So that's what's happening in places that are taking this very seriously, right? In places that are a couple of months ahead of us in terms of transmission rates and also in terms of, of the curve slowing down. Um, the problem is that we don't live in South Korea. We don't live in China. We live in the United States where nobody who is actually in a position of power is taking this seriously. And you can't close state borders if you're a governor who does take it seriously and you're next door to a governor who doesn't because it's unconstitutional. I don't have, I don't so have like, COVID. I ca- I'm coughing on water. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's so who the fuck knows is the real answer. I mean, I think that... Um, the chefs and the restaurateurs that I've been talking to have been, I think, planning or at least anticipating reopening or something that looks like reopening in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends on the restaurant. It depends on their relationship to their landlord. I'm sorry, this is such a long answer to what should, in no, theory, be good. a very easy question. No, but, it's not easy um, at all. That's the thing, because I don't think a lot of them can open to partial capacity. Well, they can't, right? Because it, so the economics of this, the, yeah, I mean, and, and it becomes really fascinating, at least to me, because I'm a huge nerd, but like the cascade of all of this is, is I mean, it's it's very linear. Right? I also like, don't have oh, COVID, no. but I'm... Dan, Dan. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. oh. suddenly got a very Spreading dry through the throat. podcast. <laughs> no. Oh, no, Helen, oh, get, save yourself. Should I cough too so that I can be in? No. no. Okay, so, so basically what it all comes down to, and I, I it's, I I can't talk about this with any degree of like, I think it would be bullshit for me to say that like I'm being super objective about all of this because I feel very, um, I feel very passionate about this as like a citizen of the United States and as a a consumer of restaurants and as a person who observes these things very closely, it all comes down to real estate. And if you have been watching the restaurant industry for any amount of time, you've known that in the last decade or two, you're like real estate prices are always climbing all the time because the economy always moves forward and blah, blah, blah. But like the amount of, of operating costs for your average restaurant that goes to rent these days is so much higher than it ever, ever, ever has been. And restaurants have always been a really low margin business, but the proportion of that that is now going to rent is astronomical and it's never, ever been higher. And this is especially the case in New York because New York is a, a horror show when it comes to rents and and everything is about protecting landlords and nothing is about protecting tenants. So um, basically, if a restaurant is going to survive this period of closure or if it's like doing takeout or turning into a grocery store like this period of like semi-closure, it all comes down to the relationship that they have with the building that the restaurant is located in. So if you own your own building, great, you're totally set. You're going to be fine. Um if you have a good relationship with your landlord and they're suspending your rent or they're helping you by only accepting a partial rent or they're going to defer your rent but allow you to have like a five or ten year repayment on it, you're in a good position. But if you are, I think, like the majority of restaurants in New York City and probably the majority of restaurants in the country in a place where your landlord is just like, no, pay your rent. That's what your lease says. You're still on the hook for like thousands of dollars a month. and that's what's going to take people is either not being able to make their rent right now or when they finally reopen only making enough money to cover a portion of what they used to make or being on the hook for a tremendous amount of deferred rent. I mean, it's a fucking nightmare. And basically what it all comes down to is unless at the federal level and at the state level, the government enforces like requires, um, 
basically pausing rents and pausing mortgages because they go hand in hand and saying, look, we're just putting everything on pause for like three or four months, which is what France did. It's what Italy did. It's like the reason that a lot of these places survive from a business perspective. Um, so you don't have to pay rent and it's okay that you're not paying rent because your landlord doesn't have to pay their mortgage. And we're just going to like call it a wash and extend the date on everybody's leases and mortgages by four months at the end of this. That's the way that people kind of get out of this alive. And that's the way that we can start seeing a, a kind of reopening timeline that allows restaurants the on-ramp that they need to bring their staff back in and get their supply chains running again and come up with new systems that make sense for their own comfort and their customers' comfort. And it's just like, God, a million moving parts, but all of it comes down to this question of paying rent. Yeah. And yet here we are halfway through yet another month, and that's not even on the fucking drawing board most places or anywhere as far as I know. Which is totally ludicrous. Yeah. So I have to say that every time I am on my back porch cleaning my groceries, I think about you, Helen, because... You had one of the earliest articles that I read, uh, and I even I pulled it up. It was on published on Valentine's Day, where you talked to a couple that were are living in China, and you would talk to them about their kind of food routine under lockdown, and they described cleaning their groceries. And I remember reading it and being like, "This is wild." wow, we're never going to be able to do that here. And then I think about it every time that I am Lysol wiping, a, you know, a box of crackers. And uh, <laughs> and it's I, I'm curious as someone that has actually been paying attention to this from a food lens for as long as you have kind of I'm curious about what your food protocols are. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. So that article that you're talking about, I spoke to this couple living in Shunda in in China. um, And like a lot of people, um, their apartment has a small balcony. And I've been I so I live in Brooklyn and you live in Chicago and Maureen is also in New York. But a thing that I was thinking about a ton after I after I did this interview with this couple was how much the architecture of apartment living in the United States doesn't tend to include outdoor space for every single unit. And when you go to a lot of other countries, almost every apartment building has balconies for every single unit. Like sometimes it's just a little space, like enough room for a tiny table and a chair. And sometimes it's real terraces, but in New York city and lots of big cities living in an apartment means that you don't have anything outdoors and such an essential part of the routine of feeding themselves for this couple living in Shunda involved using their outdoor space as a kind of decontamination chamber, both for themselves and for their groceries and for their mail that I, I, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a really eye opening thing for me. Um, and I feel really lucky. So I live in an apartment that has outdoor space. We have a a terrace and it has a table and some chairs on it. And so for a, a long time at the beginning of this, for many weeks, my, my routine was that we would, um, get groceries delivered or we would bring groceries in and, um, with gloves 
And sometimes with a mask, though, usually just with gloves, because I realized the mask was stupid. Um, we'd bring everything right out to the table on the terrace, which we have kind of like an oil cloth tablecloth on, like a washable surface. Um, and then I would be wearing gloves and I had this tray, this sort of large yellow tray that, you know, kind of like a Mother's Day breakfast kind of tray. But um, and I would put that down and I would also bring out a bunch of bowls and a bunch of Ziploc bags, like large mixing bowl kind of things. And I had this whole routine where I'd have my like Lysol and my Clorox wipes and I'd go through everything and I would like, you know, open a package of chicken and dump it out into one of the bowls without touching the bowl because the bowl was clean. And then like I was contaminated and I'd throw the packaging away and I'd do the same thing with produce. And I would like wipe down anything that was in a plastic thing and I'd put it on the tray. And then like eventually I'd go decontaminate and I'd pick up the clean tray and I'd pick up the clean bowls and bring them all back in. And I went through this incredibly um, involved process. I don't really do that anymore. Um, it was, it created a lot of anxiety and, um, you know, I, I am not a scientist or a medical professional and I don't really feel like I am equipped to, you know, like read the, like, you know, viral transmission reports and understand exactly what they're saying. But I, trust the people who do read them and interpret them. And so everything that I've been reading over the last few weeks have basically said that things like cardboard and paper are not really transmitting it. Like you should be cautious about interacting with your mail, but you don't need to like, you know, run your mail through a cleansing ray or whatever. And um, so I've started being a little bit more chill about my groceries. I still use gloves to bring them in when I go to the grocery store, which is very infrequent. I wear masks and gloves and things like that. Um, and I'm still decontaminating things that are in plastic or in metal or in hard surfaces by kind of rubbing them down with a paper towel or a rag or something that's been in, in a bleach bleach based cleanser. But I'm not like individually washing every single apple with the same sort of like scrub it till it bleeds mentality that I'd been having before. I'm not being super laissez-faire about it. I'm being a lot more thoughtful. But um, I think that as long as you're being thoughtful, you're doing enough. You don't have to like worry that this is going to come in through the box of Captain Crunch. And what about takeout and stuff? Yeah, you know, it's a similar thing where, you know, at first the the sort of guidance that we had been given was that it's unlikely that this is spread through food and it's unlikely that it's spread through like ingestion from food. Um, but the kind of hard plastic containers that takeout comes in is exactly the kind of hard plastic that we've we've all read that the virus sort of really loves to hang out on. Um, so when I get takeout, we transfer it into our own containers Um so I don't really like I definitely was sort of do the the dirt bag thing when I get takeout of like I sit on my couch with the plastic container of like Kung Pao chicken and I eat directly out of the <laughs> container because that's what I do. Um, and now I don't do that anymore. Right. Like I, and and sometimes it's nice to like make it feel fancy. And I'm like, oh, look, I'm like decanting this into a beautiful serving bowl. But it's also because I want to get the container either into the dishwasher or into the recycling bin as quickly as I can, because I don't know where the container has been. Um, I worry, um, I worry about the safety of delivery drivers, but I think that 
you know, from everything that I've read and from everything that I understand about how this stuff works, we are far more of a danger to the delivery drivers than they are dangers to us. Um, it's, it's all the other people that drivers are delivering to that make that such a risky thing. And so as long as I'm being careful about myself and my family and I'm, you know, maintaining appropriate distance from my delivery driver and I feel like, you know, the more people who know that and the more we can help keep delivery drivers safe by doing zero contact deliveries and things like that, the safer it's going to be for all of us. Yeah, they just when we get it, it's just as they just set it by the door. We yep. never see each other. We kind of yell through the door. We go, thank you. Have a good night. <laughs> exactly. And, and then we reach out like like the Adams family hand comes out when they're down the hall. And then you just see <laughs> this disembodied hand drag the bag inside. That's us. <laughs> totally. So I hate the question of when this is all over because there is that is a very variable answer. But when we are at a point where movement is less limited than it is now and comfort levels have returned and that sort of thing, what is your first meal? Assuming that you could fly, assuming that money was no object, what is your first genie I'm free meal? Oh, you know, I don't think I've even been letting myself fantasize about this which is very revealing and I should probably bring up in my next therapy session. Um, (laughs) I think I don't care where it is. I just want to be at like a big table with a lot of people in a crowded space where the energy is good and it's loud and there's music and you can tell that the people around you are having fun and you have no idea who they are and you just love that they're near you. And I don't, I don't know. I don't like, man, I like, I'm a good enough cook that if I'm really craving something, I can figure out how to make it right. Like I can get the cravings taken care of, but it's the space and the mood and the feeling of being part of a moment that is the thing that restaurants create for me and bars and public parks and, you know, waiting in line at a fucking amusement park. I mean, all of this stuff is like the feeling of being part of the great celebratory, stupid, animalistic mass of humanity. So I don't know. I don't really care. I mean, I guess I don't have a deep fryer. Maybe I'll go somewhere with like fried food, but (laughs) like, yeah, I don't know. I just want to go somewhere where it feels really good and it feels really alive. And, and you, can be really happy without having to apologize for it. Yes. Well, Helen, one day we will all be in that place together. And thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. It is always the most fun thing in the world to talk with you. I like that Helen Rosner a lot. I do too.
she always makes me feel better and also hungry. Yep. That's all. But Dan, that's all. Did what? anything else happen this week? Anything else nothing. you want to bring up? Anything? Nope. No- I've been locked inside. There's nothing else in the news you want to bring up. Nope. I think there nope. Is- no, there is not. Nothing. Dan. Dan. Zero things in the news. Maybe one thing? Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Giant nothing. holographic Joe Biden. God damn it. Hey, it's me. No. I've been waiting this whole time. I've been sitting right here. Hi, Dan. Hi, Amy Carter Shoe. How are you? I was good. That's right. And now you're now, great. Now, I guess. Giant. Amy Carter Shoe. Yeah. Liz Smith, the campaign manager for Mayor Pete. Yeah. If you remember him. I remember. Gave an interview this week where she floated ideas of how Joe Biden could be cool. One of them involved him doing a takeover on Fortnite. And the other involved a giant hologram of Joe Biden projected across the Grand Canyon. Yeah. I want a big Joe Biden projected across my Grand Canyon. You know what? Oh, no. That's right. Oh, God. That's how much Joe there is. Oh, God. Can you imagine how big those balls would be? (laughs) Ah. It's all I think about. <laughs> I don't want to have this discussion. Dan, if Joe Biden was projected across the Grand Canyon, do a math problem to figure out how big his balls would be. <laughs> And you know what you come up with. Oh, it brings new meaning to carry the one, doesn't it? Ah, Dan, you talking my language now. (laughs) It's big hangly wangly 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 balls time stretchy like taffy on a loom in the summertime. (sighs) I forgot. I forgot because I was thinking about big holographic Joe. God. This year is uh, amazing. Best year ever. It's not. It's 2020 not. is my kind of year. <laughs> All right. See you later. Oh, God. Says Who is made possible by you through your support of our Patreon at Patreon slash says who. Dot com slash says who. That's never been in the notes. There's always been a typo. Mm. But that's how much of a professional I am, Maureen. I just read it as if it was there, and I never change it. And if you're a member of our Town Watch, $5 a month and up, you get a new quarantine special every Sunday that we're in lockdown. This Sunday, I think we'll be putting forward some excerpts from our conversation with Helen Rosner because you just heard it. And it fit neatly into our 
normal show length, but we talked for an hour. So oh, it was we like, will be. It just went on and on. It was so great. But yes. It and was uh very so if you, great. If you liked Friends or Dark Friends, you know, and if you want to hear Friends or Dark Friends, you could always pop in for five dollars and then pop back out again if you felt like it. But you know, it's, it's true. Because honestly, Friends or Dark Friends is still one of my favorite. And now I'm really thinking about Dan and Maureen watch Twilight together, and it's pretty magical. I'm in. I'm what else do I got to do? You say you're in, Dan, but I don't think you know the glory that you're. I if we do this, it has to be like a video component. I think like that a, we could do we would we would have Twilight in a window that yeah. we would share on Zoom mm -hmm. and then we would both be in Zoom. Right. Watching Twilight together. And then other people could kind of maybe start at the same time if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the Wizard of Oz and that Pink Floyd record. But I think it has to be because you. There's no way I'm going to get you to watch all five movies, and you don't want to either. I, I can still can't believe there are five movies. I can talk you through the plot. Like I can give you the the kind of synopsis of the deal. Um, and the only part I would insist you watch of the first movie is the vampire baseball scene. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, Dan, you should, that's like three minutes you should absolutely watch like right now. When you get off this recording, I want you to Google Twilight Vampire Baseball and you will get a three minute clip because it's it's a musical sequence. It's two super, it's two super massive black hole by Muse. So it's the length of that song and it will tell you everything you need to know about the tone of movie one. But movie one is such a far cry from movies four and five. I mean, we're very, very far apart at this point. We would start with four. <laughs> For sure. Well, that is certainly something to look forward to if you are a member of our town watch. $5 a month at patreon.com slash says who. Our theme music is performed by Ted Leo. Support musicians during this time by records by Ted. Our logo is designed by Darth. We love you, Darth. You can contact us at Says Who Podcast on Twitter. You can email at hey, that is H-E-Y, at SaysWhoPodcast.com. You can join the discussion on Facebook at slash group slash Says Whovians. The Facebook group continues to be just a really wonderful, amazing, and very supportive place right now while everyone is inside or having to work jobs that force them to be outside. And everyone is, it is amazing. Our Facebook group is moderated by Janice Dillard. You can spread the word, subscribe, and please leave stars and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This is my weekly reminder that podcast listening is uh, still in a weird spot. And one of the best ways that you can support a podcast, whether it's this one or another one that you love, especially if you are not listening as frequently as you used to, leave a review because it helps a bunch. You can join us next Wednesday. That's May 20th. Somehow the month of May is going fast for our next episode and also on Sundays on patreon.com slash says who for quarantine specials 
From my basement in Chicago, I am Dan Sinker. And from my vampire baseball field, I'm Maureen Johnson. And this has been Says Who. You're making up the falling in love with a baby part, right? Nope. A baby. Is it like a Benjamin Button thing? Is it really an old person that looks like a baby? Nope. It's just a baby. It's just a baby. So he's like, that's a hot baby. I want to get with that baby. Dan, it's... We'll get there. Oh, boy. I don't know if I want to. You want to. I don't.